Good morning, everybody. We're going to start our service. Welcome, everyone, on live stream. Those here, please stand with us. We're going to sing a couple songs. I've got a home. I've got a crown. I've got a love. Won't let me down. I've got a home. I've got a pride. He'll wipe away tears from my A home forever to stay. For I've been forgiven. I'm on my way. For I've got a home. I've got His grace. And I'll see my Lord. today. We're going to sing God of Wonders.
of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the God God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy, holy, the universe declares your majesty, you are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth, oh Lord of
morning. Um, first off, uh, Legends and um, the high school kids have um, class, so you can be dismissed. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know us, my name is Dulce Contreras, and this is my husband, Daniel Contreras, and we would like to welcome you to Simi Church. Um, <laughs> one of the things I enjoy about Simi Church is that we're consistent in teaching the truth that is found in the Word of God. And I find that to be very important um, in today's world, that it's filled with so much inconsistent information that is constantly changing and contradicting itself. But what doesn't change and contradicts itself is the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't change and is absolute. It holds as much truth today as it did when it was written. So if you're looking for answers, if you're looking for truth, if you're looking for guidance, you're in the right place. Um, so our mission is to love God and to love neighbor. We are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So whoever you are and however you are, you belong here. Um, in a little bit, we're going to hear the message uh, from our very own Dylan Snow. Um, but before we do that, uh, we're going to sing one more song. And uh, before we do that, we're we'll, we'll take communion afterwards. Uh, but first, let's uh, go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning, first of all, for a wonderful day that you've blessed us with. Thank you for this beautiful day, God. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together with our fellow brothers and sisters um, for the purpose of worshiping you, uh, lifting up your son in uh, praise and worship, and thanking him for really all that he is and all that he's done for us. We ask, Father, for your blessing upon this service. Uh, we ask that you would just fill each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit. Um, we ask that you would uh, bless Dylan uh, as he comes up and shares uh, your word with all of us. And we pray, Lord, that uh, this service can uh, really benefit us, can encourage us, and can motivate us, Lord, that we can uh, live a life that will honor you, that will glorify you, and that will reflect the light, love, and character of your Son to all of those around us. We ask these things in his name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 We're going to sing one more song before we hear the uh, communion message. Let's sing Amazed. Dance over me. 
Oh man, that was awesome. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone, once again, to and welcome to uh, Simi Church. Uh, this morning, I have the privilege of preparing our hearts uh, to uh, partake of uh, communion. Um, and I'm a firm believer that communion is probably one of, if not the most important parts of any church service. Um, it was an act of remembrance that was requested by none other than the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 19 says, And he, that is Jesus, took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, Paul reemphasizes this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 23 to 25 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we can see that it was Jesus himself who asked this of us. It wasn't any other biblical figure. It wasn't any historical figure or political figure. But it was the Son of God himself. Now there are a few popular titles that are given to this ordinance and I'd like to just spend a few moments uh, looking at those because they have an element that highlight its significance. One title that's commonly used is, uh, or it's referred to as one of the sacraments, right? And then uh, sacrament is not really a term that's found in the Bible, but it comes from uh, the sacramentum, which was the Roman soldier's oath of allegiance once he joined the army. It marked the passing from civilian life to military life, and it was his confession that he now belonged to Caesar and lived only to obey him. Now, in a sense, when we partake of communion, we do the same thing. By taking communion, we reaffirm our allegiance to Christ, and we confess that we are his and that we belong to him and that we live to serve only him. Another common title is the Eucharist. Now, this comes from the Greek word eucharisteo, which means to be grateful or to express gratitude. It's the Greek word that's uh, commonly used throughout the New Testament for thanksgiving. And I don't know about you guys, but when I take communion and I remember Jesus, and I remember all that he is, all that he has endured all that he has accomplished for me, that's the only response that I have, thanksgiving and gratitude. Communion is another title that we use here at Simi Church. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we read, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. 
And here the idea is that we all share a common faith and privilege with Jesus. We are all united. No one person is better than another. We can all enjoy and partake of the blessings that are made available by the breaking of our Savior's body and the pouring of his blood. Another name or another title is the Lord's Table or the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. And I like this title because it puts emphasis on the authority of the one whom we are remembering and celebrating. It is not Daniel's table or Joe's table or anybody else's table. It is his table. And, we, and he has invited us to be his guest. And to me, that's just an awesome thought, that Jesus would invite me to his table. Why? I haven't done anything to deserve such a privilege. And plain and simple, it's just because he wants to. He wants to be near to me. He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants me to enjoy all that he has to offer, and he wants that for you as well. And lastly, we have the breaking of bread. Acts, in Acts 20, verse 7, it says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. And in verse 42, we, we see that it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. When I hear breaking of bread, I think of peace. The peace that we have with God through Jesus. In the secular world, the phrase to break bread with someone usually means to share a meaningful connection with them often bringing together two people or two groups who previously had uh, to be disconnected. Now, as sinners, we had nothing to do with God. We had no part with him. And Paul tells us that our sins made us enemies with God. But the Lord Jesus fixed that. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We were at odds with God, not because of anything that he did, but because of what we did. And now, thanks to Jesus, we can have peace, and we can break bread. So whatever you call this act of remembrance, I pray that these small insights can help us to perhaps see it in a new light, that it has helped us to have just a, a deeper appreciation for it, and that it has prepared us to partake of these emblems with grateful hearts, lifting up Jesus in praise and worship, for he alone deserves it and is worthy of it. At this time, we're going to take communion. 
if you're joining from home, all you needed some matzah and grape juice. At Simi Church, we believe that the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. In it, we learn that Jesus is Lord, that he lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and rose to life again. And it is in this belief that we do everything. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, as we prepare our hearts to partake in communion, we can't help but remember the fact that we don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve this privilege of being at this table, your son's table, of partaking of these emblems. We are so grateful, Father, that we can be here, not because of who we are or because of what we have done, but because of who your son is and what he has done. We thank you for his body that was given, that was beaten, that was tortured, that was broken for us. We thank you for his blood that was poured, that was shed on the cross. We thank you for his perfect sacrifice, his death and his resurrection, that he has completely satisfied your wrath and judgment for our sins. We thank you that he has taken our place on the cross. He has borne our sins, our transgressions, our shame, and he endured that complete punishment. Father God, help us to remember this, not just today, but every single day, that we may live a life of gratitude, that we may always thank you, that we may always appreciate all that we have in Christ Jesus. We lift them up to you, and we pray these things in his name. Amen.
Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I thought I was going to have to ask twice because it sounded like we were pretty sleepy earlier. But it uh, seems like we're awake. That's good. Um, so uh, my name is Dylan Snow. Uh, I am uh, 22 years old. I'm in my last semester of college. Uh, I just got married to my amazing wife, Sarah. And uh, I'm super excited because this is actually my fifth year here. Um, at what at what was see me shoreline, but now is see me, and I am I just was thinking about that this week, and I'm super grateful to God for allowing me to be around such amazing people and such Christ-filled people. So I was thinking about this week, uh, and I was planning this message, and until yesterday, I actually didn't realize that this week was Thanksgiving, and I was like, man, maybe I should do a message about Thanksgiving. Um, that dawned on me last night. <laughs> So um, I planned this message not with the intent to be about Thanksgiving, but when I reviewed it, I was like, wow, there's some things about giving in here, so maybe it'll turn out all right. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about a few things, three main things today, um, and I think that they're very applicable to what's happening in this world. First is there's obviously a lot of craziness going on. Just with everything, uh, whether it's a uh, pandemic, social causes, uh, and even in, in our families. Uh, I want to talk about where Christians fall into place in this crazy world. I want to talk about how sometimes we can let our pain, our struggles, and social causes or political movements to shape our identity and our life. And lastly, I'd like to talk about the fullness of Jesus and his example and how that should play into our identity and our life. So I'd like to preface, um, I'm actually going to, my style of preaching today is I'm actually going to preach as if I was preaching directly at myself and myself alone. Uh, I'm doing this uh, because I'm going to share about some times in my life uh, where I didn't have the mentality or the perspective that I'm going to share with you today and therefore going to aim it at myself. And if you happen to get something out of it, that's awesome. So the title is, It's Not About You. And that's going to be my theme. And without uh, further ado, I'm going to jump into the first passage. I got a lot of Bible coming at you today, so hopefully that's okay. Hopefully you can withstand my glistening forehead for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Alrighty, so the first passage we're going to turn to is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, so if you have Bibles, that's great. If not, then um, search it up on your phone, I guess. But uh, have it open. So chapter 1, here we go. This is Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. And look at that. The title is Thanksgiving for the Thessalonians' Faith. That was unplanned, but I'm going to make it seem like it was planned. So here we go. Verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how he lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, and not only in Macedonia, 
Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report the kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned God, turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son Jesus from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So there's a lot to uh, break down here, but I really want to focus on one main part, and that's in verse 6. He says that you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. Now this is actually a, um, a continuation of Acts 17 uh, when Paul came in and Silas and Timothy and there was uh, basically, they were being opposed by both Jews who also gathered people in the streets and there, were, they were, there was rioting and uh, mobs against them. Their reputation was being slandered um, and some people in the church of um, the Thessalonians, they, they shared in that with Paul. And, and actually the word that is used in Acts 17 is the word turmoil. So why is that relevant? Um, have any, has anyone here experienced turmoil? A little bit? Maybe? I know I have. Uh, I'm going to be real with you real quick. There was, a, uh, there was a time in the latter half of 2017 and 2018 uh, where I was depressed. That's not easy for me to say because while my father you know, raised me to share emotions and talk about it, I had this envision that a man is supposed to just stuff it all in and take it. And he is supposed to be strong. But in reality, I was being weak because I wasn't letting other people in my life and letting them know how I was doing. I was depressed. What that looked like is I wasn't just uh, didn't come home because the Chargers lost again in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter by less than seven points. But, uh, but uh, no, I was depressed. I, was, um, I, I had this deep, deep uh, suffering that I, I can't even really explain, and I don't even know how it relates to other people who say or feel that they have depression because I had never experienced it in my life. I had, you know, just like us all, I, my fair share of childhood uh, problems and issues and, and, uh, and grievances, but uh, never before during this time had I experienced something like this. My day-to-day -day life was uh, eat and sleep. And the reason, and I literally would sleep all day. I would, I would sleep in until 2 or 3 p.m. I would miss work. I'd miss class. I think I, f I failed like two semesters worth of college. I should have just taken a gap year. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I literally would sleep in until 2 or 3 p.m., get up as if, you know, the day had just begun, go get some food, go back to bed. Repeat. Um, and it was horrible. And I didn't let anybody in. I was able to put on a mask when I needed to go to work. I was able to put it on like, oh, things are great. Uh, but inside, they were not. Uh, my life was, um, it was horrible at that time. And it was a mix of, of just being involved in deep, deep sin. Uh, it, was a, it was a mix of, uh, essentially, I just was, my, I was on the throne of my life. And I can't really explain, it's hard for me to explain what it actually, what it, it really was. I just assumed that it was depression because it was, I felt like dying. And the only reason that I would sleep so much is so that I didn't turn to alcohol or drugs or uh, chasing women or whatever it was. I just chose to sleep because I knew that if I went down that rabbit hole, I probably wasn't coming out. So maybe some of you have been through something similar. Maybe you're going through it now. I know that we all will go through 
turmoil. Maybe some of you will respond the way I did. Hopefully not. But however, I urge you to look at the alternative. The alternative is in verse 7. It says, and so you became a model to all believers. This is right after they were experiencing severe suffering. They became a model of Jesus Christ, an ambassador of Jesus. They, are, they were known all throughout Greece of their love. So what does it look like to be a model of Christ? I'm actually going to, um, I don't even have to turn my page, but we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to show us what it looks like to be a model of Christ. All right, chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. Okay. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. There's two main points I want to get out of this. Number one, the church had a reputation for love. They were known for it. Despite what was going on culturally, politically, and in their own lives. They were known for their loves, yet Paul here instructs them to do so even more. There is not a cap on how we should love people or how much. It is an increasing habit towards perfection, which we will never reach, because that's Jesus. So why does he say that? Well, it's in verse 12. So that your daily life may win the respect of non-believers, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Guys, we're here to love people more and more each day so that we can win over people's souls. This is how God wants us to live. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I love politics. I love it. I love a good debate. I love opposing viewpoints. I love it. I thrive on it. I used to thrive on it. But I had reached a point years ago, in the midst of loving that, where I idolized it. It became my identity. I let it control my behavior and how I acted towards people. And, uh, you know, that looked like starting pointless quarrels on Facebook. Maybe that's just me who's been there. Hopefully not, but maybe it is. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, or even in person, just with like, I don't know, when it would come up, I always felt like they were just like, I got to butt in. I don't know why I felt like that, but I did. Um, so what changed for me? Because I'm I, I, grateful to say, thank you, God, that I uh, have changed from that years ago. But what changed for me is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over to uh, Colossians here. And this is what struck me. This is what got me. Do you guys want to turn to Colossians chapter 2? I should have uh, done what Daniel did and brought an iPad because uh, keeping my page here is pretty interesting. All righty. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. 
So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. So when I read this passage and started meditating and and studying this years ago, uh, there was one part that mainly stuck out to me in verse 8. And he says, See to it that no one takes you captive. Now, I'm not going to pull out Webster's Dictionary, but I think we all know that when you're a captive, you're a prisoner. You're a slave. And not by happenstance. There was intention behind it. So it says, to not be a prisoner, to not be slave to the, the human teachings and philosophies of this world. That was me. I was a slave to that. That was my God. That was my idol. Maybe not directly saying that, you know, I love politics more than God, but by my actions, is that that's what that showed. Even, th- I did that to a point where I pushed away friends and family because I was so, I had no love in my heart. I was just, I mean, I was able to put on this front, but inside, I had, there was, I'm just a gong. I just was pushing people away, even family members. I was, I was hungry, searching for uh, ways that I can be filled up in order to sound good, look good, be eloquent, and I was, uh, I was searching in the wrong places. In verse 9, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That word fullness. I realized that fullness, this need, this hunger, is not going to be filled by winning, having more comments in the, on a Facebook thread. By winning over arguments, pointless, stupid arguments that solve nothing, that change nothing. It comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fullness. He canceled the law. He canceled the written code. He canceled yours and mine in pending death. Our lives as disciples isn't one blanket of a, of a, of, of a being. It begins each morning and throughout the day when you choose Who is going to be on the throne of your heart? I imagine in my heart, there's a cross and a throne. For most of my 2017, 2018, I was on the throne and I kept Jesus up on the cross. But our lives as disciples isn't this permanent thing. It is a temporary thing that can change and it's up to you. Who's on your throne of your heart? Verse 10. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. It was quite the shocker to me when I realized it doesn't matter who's in the Oval Office. Because it's not like my life changes that much. Because regardless, I get to choose if Jesus is on the throne or not. And by the way, right here it says that Jesus is the governing authority. He is the power and authority above no matter what side you pick. Oh, that was pretty shocking to me. <laughs> so, we talked about captivity, what to be captive of, i.e. Christ, and what not to be captive of. 
human philosophy, teachings, these traditions. We talked about loving God and what that looks like. How to please God. How to love others. Well, now I'm going to give the solution. And I'm going to show the fullness of Christ. Before I do so, please uh, shout it out. Um, does anybody here have a bucket list? What do you got? Skydiving. Skydiving. That's actually the first one I thought of. Yeah. Skydiving. Live in Europe. Retire. That's that sounds amazing. That sounds good. That sounds amazing. And I'm only 22. So we'll see how that goes. I'm sure we got some in the chat. If you got some in the chat too, please put them in there. I want to see them. Um, I think it's natural for us to want to accomplish things and do things before we die, right? These are good things. There's nothing wrong with them. Go skydiving. Go scuba diving. Go, I don't know, go jump off a cliff or something. Um, go re retire, Eugene. Um, you know, these are all good things. Do those things. But when I was searching for perspective I was uh, of uh, showing Jesus' fullness, I was trying to think of this crazy, um, you know, moment where jesus is just like i am god you know that like that moment when he's like you know don't you think that i you know at once if i you know when he's feeling threatened don't you think at once i could have 12 legions of angels if i called on my father like i was thinking of this big moment but what i came to when i was thinking about um bucket lists and things i want to do before i die i thought to myself uh man you guys know what jesus did on his last day he washed his friend's feet He served people. He served those he loved. And he knew what he was going to get. He knew that the next day he was going to die. He was going to not just die. He was going to be tortured. But he washed his friend's feet. I'm going to read. Uh, I'm actually going to read that passage for a more visual picture here. It's John chapter 13. All righty. I'm going to start in verse 1, then I'm going to jump down to 12. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to, the, to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done this for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor his messenger is greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, Jesus wasn't diving in the Sea of Galilee. He wasn't parting it up in the town square. He was with those he loved. And not only that, he put them above his own flesh, served them, and did a cultural thing that was, you essentially were putting yourself lower than the person. If you wash somebody's feet, you were, you were submitting yourself to them. That was his bucket list. There is no better example than Christ's love and what he does for us. I mentioned earlier how I was, uh, latter half of 2017, pretty much all of 2018, I was, uh, I had a series of depression um, where I wouldn't get out of bed and, and all that. Uh, that came to a conclusion uh, one day 
not, it didn't end on one day, but it was, the turning point happened this one day when uh, back then my job, I was a carpet cleaner. Um, and I was cleaning this house by myself, massive job, no one was home. So I was just there and I just, it took a lot for me to get up that day because I was feeling burdened, I was hurting, um, I was self-loathing, um, I, I, and, and I was serving myself. And I, you know, about an hour, two hours in, you know, I'm going room by room, and I get to this one room, and um, nothing special about it except there was this painting on the wall, and it was this painting of, you could, it was Jesus kneeling down with a cloth in hand, washing one of his disciples' feet. And, you know, on a normal day, just going by that, I'd be like, that's a great painting. That looks great, you know? Uh, and I wish I actually could n- remember the painter, so that, and I wish I had a screen to show you what it looked like so that you could see what I had been seeing that got me. And it was this look that the, the, the painter was able to capture on Jesus' face that showed me the extent of his love. This broke me. I saw that, and I, I was just staring at it. It seemed like time had stopped, um, and it made me, I, I literally was just bawling, just I, I, no one was home, it was just me. And I was thinking, I was like, man, if someone walked in, that would have been pretty weird, just guy cleaning your carpet, just crying in the middle of your, be- your guest room. Uh, <laughs> but uh, thank God no one was there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but this broke me. And it made, and, and it was at that time, and obviously it wasn't allowed, but in my heart and in my mind, I could hear repeating that it's not about me. And not from a sense as if a parent is telling that to a child, you know, who's being melodramatic. But he did it in a way to show me how much love he had for me through his son Jesus and the example that he set and that he wants me to come back to him. And at the end of verse 17, it also mentions, uh, you know, if you do these things, if you serve one another, you love one another, you will be blessed. Now, God's not a genie. But there were certain things that I had prayed for for years uh, that I had lost. When During that depression era, I was uh, becoming estranged from certain friends. I had lost certain relationships, uh, or at least not lost, but they were heavily broken. Same with family members, uh, and my dating relationship that I was in was faltering and on the brink of collapse. Um, and it was after that I didn't even do anything good. I didn't do anything to, you know, once I saw that painting and crying, you know, my perspective changed. And I'm not going to say that my depression was fixed that day because I don't think that's a thing. But my mindset was different. And even though I did nothing and was nothing, God blessed me. He put me on the path to restoration with some of the friends uh, that, uh, whose relationships I had faltered with. Family members, bonds that have been broken were coming, being repieced. And I think most of all, he, he gave me a wife who I don't deserve. So, in closing here, I don't want to minimize your pain. And I don't want to minimize the struggles that you're going through or how passionate you may be about certain social movements that you may be a part of or not. I think those are, these are, those are all valid and legitimate things to feel. But rather, I want to remind you and show you the fullness and completeness of God and the example that Jesus set over the teachings of this world for our life. 
So hopefully you can go out maybe with a different perspective here, knowing uh, why we're here, and that it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you right now, and I just want to thank you, Lord, for giving us your son, who you loved so much, and you didn't spare him, God. The amount of torture, humiliation, and pain that he went through for me, I can't even describe it. I thank you, God. I thank you for your word to show us the fullness of the extent of Jesus and how we may emulate that so that we may be like the church in Thessal- of the Thessalonians and be imitators despite our suffering, to be models and ambassadors of Christ despite what's happening in this world. I pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Dylan, for um, speaking with us today at CME Church. We want this to be your church, your family's church, and your neighbor's church. Um, We are a member-supported fellowship by people like me. You can give today or online or text the keyword CME Church to 77977. Finally, I want to remind members of Simi Church to pray for, invest in, invite to church, and prepare yourself to be Christ-like to the people in your lives. And don't forget to tell them or tell them to like our social media outlets. Next week, we'll be meeting online only, and Ron Quint will be preaching. God bless y'all, and have a great week. Amen.